0: Hey, everybody. This is TJ Hensley. You are once again listening to the Appalachian Firesides podcast. Thanks so much for joining us for another episode. I hope you've gotten a chance to listen to last week's uh, with my very good friend, Drew. It was a bit of a longer episode, uh, the longest I've yet published so far, but I think it was a good, uh, good and an entertaining conversation. So uh, hopefully you've gotten a chance to listen to the whole episode or parts of it, but I hope you enjoyed it and were informed by it at least. I know that Drew really enjoyed being on the podcast. I'm sure we'll be hearing from him again in the near future, so hopefully you've gotten a chance to listen to that episode, and hopefully you enjoyed it. This week's episode is just me, however, and I'm going to try to make this solo recording a bit different than the past ones have been, and what I mean by that is that I'm going to try to just talk for... 25 30 minutes instead of an hour like I usually do cuz I realized that y'all would probably rather do other things than just listening to me rant for an hour about politics. So I'm going to try to keep it short and sweet but still informative and who knows, maybe even a little bit entertaining. So this week we're going to be talking about something that really is probably one of the most exciting topics I've ever covered on the podcast. Y'all hold on to the edge of your seats, hold on to your horses or whatever whatever kind of animal y'all got, I don't know. But This week, we are going to be talking about budgets. just wanted to give you all a second to let you recollect yourselves there. But yes, we're going to be talking about the two-year budget for the state of Kentucky, my home state. And the reason that it is a two-year budget is because when the state legislature passes a budget for the state, that budget runs through the year it was passed, the entire next year, and into the year after. Uh, And so, for example, whatever budget is passed this year will run through 2022, 2023, and into 2024. And likewise, whatever budget is passed in 2024 will last until 2026. You get the idea. So there's some context for you guys, but here's a bit more context as well. In 2021, there were a couple of really important records that were set for the state of Kentucky in terms of our economy. First of all, there was $11 billion in private investment contracts which were committed to begin in Kentucky, $11 billion with a B. That is huge. That is a all-time record for the state and better than anything that the previous administration had done at all. Likewise, there was another record set in that we ended the fiscal year 2021, the state did, with more than a billion dollars in a budget surplus, which means we collected more A billion dollars more in revenue than we spent in expenditures. That's another record. So put another way, we've had a lot of investment in our state and we've got a record-setting amount of money left over from the previous budget. Now with that context, I'll get into the subject matter of this week's episode. The fact of the matter is that there are two competing visions for how we should best use this really good economic position that we're in as a state. The governor has one idea of how we should go, an idea of which I believe is the right path to take, and the majority in the state legislature believe that we should go a pretty significantly different direction, and one big part of their agenda with how they want to spend this money is, I think, a really bad idea, and I'll get into that. So just a little bit more context for you guys here. Typically, the governor is the one who first introduces a proposed budget, the state legislature reacts to that, and then they may propose their own budget and they'll try to work out some agreement. The majority party in the state legislature in Kentucky, however, has not done that. They have, in fact, released their own budget. They did so, I think, a week or a week and a half before the governor did, which was pretty unusual, not what is typically done. And the state house has actually already passed that budget. Without, I think, any input from the governor, it now goes to the state senate where it has to pass there before it goes to the governor for him to either sign or veto. I think is how that goes. Now, putting aside the fact that there seems to be very little effort on the part of the state legislature to work with the governor to create some consensus on the budget, even though there are some elements between the two that are similar, there are other elements in each budget proposal that are pretty different from one another in how they best create an environment where everybody in Kentucky can get ahead. And so now I want to look at each proposal, look at some of the main aspects of each proposal, not all of them in their entirety. I, Like I said, I don't want to keep you all here for an hour again. But I'm going to lay out the different priorities that each budget sets, how much spending is allocated to those different projects, and I'll leave it up to you all to decide whether or not you think that this is a good way to spend our money. Again, The budget surplus from uh, 2021, the billion dollars, and other funds that are being used for this budget come from, among other sources, our tax dollars as citizens in Kentucky. Whether you pay an income tax as a resident in the state or you pay a sales tax, this is our money, a lot of it. And so I think that we should be aware of how it's being proposed that we spend it and how these different proposals will affect us and our lives. First, let's talk about the budget proposal of Governor Andy Beshear. So I'm going to cover a few of the key areas where most of this funding goes to. And one of them is education. Now, the governor's budget calls for two years of universal pre-kindergarten for all four-year-olds in Kentucky and continuing the funding of full-day kindergarten for all kids in Kentucky, which, just to give you all a number, is about 265,000 kids who would benefit from these uh, areas of funding. Now... It also includes full funding for school transportation, which is dramatically important given the shortage in school bus drivers that we're seeing across Kentucky right now. It also allocates $23 million for textbooks and other school resources, more than $6 million for mental health resources for students, and a minimum 5% raise for all school personnel. Now, I cannot think of anything that I just listed there, which would be mildly controversial. We need to adequately and substantially fund education for all kids in this state, from pre-K all the way through our universities and graduate schools. And the full budget, by the way, you can go and look at it. It's been released on the state government website. The governor's version of it has. Also calls for a lot of funding for secondary and higher education as well. And as far as the pay raise goes, Teaching is one of the most important jobs in this country, and working in a school is as well. Whether you're a custodian who keeps the facilities clean and up and running, whether you're a kitchen server or a chef who you know, prepares the food for our kids, whether you're a teacher, whatever kind of job that you do in education, it's important. Because there are few things that are more important than making sure that we give our kids the best education in the best facilities, that we can offer them. And so this is a very important area of funding that I think the governor has rightly devoted a lot of attention to. The governor's budget also devotes a lot of resources into strengthening workforce development here in Kentucky. One of the biggest projects outlined in his budget is a $75 million agricultural technology research center to be built in, as as he himself says, as the governor says, in the heart of eastern Kentucky. And what this place will do is research into new types of technologies dealing with agriculture and look into new ways that we in Kentucky, as part of our agricultural economy, can keep the food supply chain in North America strong and stable. And so this will bring in hundreds of new jobs into my home region of eastern Kentucky, which has been experiencing economic decline for a long time now. And so I think this is a very important project. And there are also other projects outlined in this budget which the governor devotes hundreds of millions of dollars to that will attract more investment opportunities into Kentucky, like the $5 billion electric Ford plant that was announced in Hardin County earlier this year. A lot of other funds in the budget are devoted to infrastructure projects, Um, $250 million in bridge renovations, $200 million to boost high-speed Internet access across Kentucky, and $500 million to expand access to clean water. And I know the folks listening all across Kentucky, but particularly in eastern Kentucky, in my home region, will attest to how badly we need those kinds of investments in Appalachia. So those are just a few of the infrastructure projects that the governor outlines. Again, you all can go and read about all of the different parts of the budget in more detail on the state government website. It's full of good investments for our state that I think will benefit not just eastern Kentucky, but the whole state itself. And there are also a lot of resources devoted in the governor's budget to funding health care. The budget fully funds Medicaid, which one out of every three people in Kentucky depend on for their health care, not just one out of three people, but 40 percent of all kids and people in rural Kentucky who are more likely to be covered by Medicaid than other plans. So that will dramatically improve access and quality of health care for folks all across Kentucky, but especially in eastern Kentucky. The budget offers $12 million in scholarships to potential nurses to address the shortage of nurses that we're seeing across the state. Uh, There's $10 million called for student loan forgiveness for nurses and nursing faculty members. There's a 34% increase in funding for domestic violence centers, rape crisis centers, and child advocacy centers, and $400,000. For programs that help homeless veterans. Now, let me say this. Regardless of how you may feel about the governor, and you may very well disagree with some of his politics in one form or another, and if you do, that's your prerogative. It's a free country. But I cannot think of a better way to spend the kind of resources that we have and to use the kind of energy that we have in our economy right now better than it's ever been before, or at least been in a long time, I can't think of a better way to use those resources than in the projects that I just described for you and all of the others that are listed in greater detail in the governor's budget itself. Again, y'all really should go to the state government website and read the budget in full. There is much more detail than I could go into here, but the idea behind the whole budget, the parts I've listed for you and the parts that I haven't, is helping make life better for folks living in Kentucky. Regardless of what part of the state you're from, regardless of what party you're registered with, all of this is designed to make people's lives better. And I've said this before on the podcast, I'll say it time and time again, because this is a hill that I will die on. That is the entire role of government, to make people's lives better and to be active in making people's lives better. The key to doing that is good government. And the key to having good government is having good people in government. And I think that we here in Kentucky could not ask for a better governor than the one that we have now. All of these plans are devoted to making sure that people have the resources they need from the time that they're in pre-K all the way to the time that they're in their old age to live a healthy and fulfilled and secure life in terms of high wages, access to education, access to health care, access to internet to good infrastructure to clean drinking water. All of these things in the governor's budget are for that purpose. I cannot think of a better way to spend the kind of resources and energy that we have in our economy than to try and make life better for folks all across Kentucky. Now, when you look at the budget that the governor has proposed, and you compare it to the budget that the majority in the state legislature has proposed, There are a few similarities between the two, but there are also some key differences. And when you look at those differences, I think you really have to ask yourself, which of these plans, plans that are going to last for two years, which of these plans to spend our money over the next two years will actually serve the needs of everybody in the state? And when you look at those differences, between the two plans, the answer becomes pretty clear, I think. First, I'll just list a few similarities for you guys between these two budgets so you can see that there is some overlap. Uh, The House budget covers the cost of full-day kindergarten like the governor's does. It also increases funding for school district transportation, and it also includes a pay raise for public employees, and, you know, that's good stuff. We need that. I'm not saying at all that those are bad things. Just because they're in the House's budget, they're they're good things. But it's the differences between the two where you really start to see, again, how one of these plans is a lot better, I think, at meeting the needs of everybody living in our state. When it comes to education funding, for instance, the governor's budget provides a greater increase in funding for each individual student than the House budget does the governor increases funding for each individual student from $4,000 a year now to $4,300 next year and then $4,500 in 2024. Now, the House budget only increases funding to $4,100 next year and then $4,200 in 2024. So not as much individual funding for each student in the House budget than the governor's. When it comes to infrastructure... The House budget only allocates $350 million for upgrading water infrastructure in Kentucky, which is $150 million less than the governor's budget. Now, you don't have to go far in Kentucky, especially eastern Kentucky. Uh, Martin County comes to mind, and other communities struggle with this as well, and I know mine does, in that not everybody has access to clean drinking water. So the fact that the House budget devotes less resources to that than the governor's I think is an important difference to keep in mind. When it comes to workforce development, there is no project offered in the House budget that is anywhere near similar to the $75 million in funding for the Agricultural Technology Research Center that I told you guys about from the governor's budget. Now, the governor is calling for almost $100 million in funding for an important project for eastern Kentucky that will attract jobs and will provide jobs, and the House budget doesn't seem to include anything like that. Why would the majority party in the state legislature ignore a region that has been experiencing a lot of economic turmoil over these past few years? Now, there's no question that more needs to be done than just building this research center, but the governor is at least calling for some kind of action to be taken This is at least a step in the right direction. Why isn't the House doing this? I think that's another important difference to keep in mind. And the biggest difference between these two budgets is that the House budget leaves almost $2 billion unspent. Now, apparently the reason that they're leaving so much money unspent is that they want to revisit those funds later to reform state taxes. And the Speaker of the State House has actually said that he hopes that they'll be able to use Indiana as a role model for that. Well, how are the taxes like in Indiana? Here's a rundown on that. Now, Indiana has a flat income tax rate, so that regardless of how much money you make, everybody pays the same in state income tax. And they have a high sales tax with low corporate taxes. And all of that together has resulted in income and wealth inequality, Rising pretty steadily in Indiana. Now, if that were to happen here in Kentucky, I think you have to ask yourself who would benefit and who would be hurt by those changes. Now, the people who would benefit from those kinds of changes here in Kentucky are the very rich. They would have to pay less in income taxes. They wouldn't have to worry about a higher sales tax because they'll be able to afford it anyway. And the big corporations in the state would be able to keep more of their profits. So it would help the very wealthy and the big corporations but who would it hurt working people and poor people they may be able to keep more of their income from a flat income tax rate and that's a good thing in itself i mean working people and and poor folks they ought to be keeping more of their income so that they can use that to create a better life for themselves but how much of that income that they may be able to keep will be eaten up by a higher sales tax Not to mention the fact that prices are already going up for so many important goods, I think just about everywhere. So when you add rising prices to a higher sales tax, who is that going to hurt more than working people and poor people? Now, we already have record-breaking investment and economic growth, so why in the world would they think that we need to cut corporate taxes? When you cut corporate taxes, that eventually leads to less revenue going into the state budget for a lot of these important programs relating to health care, food, infrastructure, all of these things that I've told you guys about. When you cut corporate taxes, then you have less revenue to fund those things. And when you cut the revenue that the state is able to get from corporate taxes, it's not just working people and poor people who suffer from that. It's everybody. It's everybody. Because that revenue goes to fund, among other things, health care programs, food programs, uh, public schools, infrastructure like roads and bridges, and waterways and sewage and drinking water and internet. Those are things that benefit everybody in the state, regardless of how much money you make. So that is the biggest difference between the governor's budget and the legislature's budget. And I think it's evident that when you look at these two plans, the plan that has been offered by the majority party in the state legislature does include a lot of good things. While it includes a lot of good things that the governor's budget also includes, when they're leaving more than $2 billion unspent so that they can use it to cut taxes for the rich and effectively raise taxes on working people and poor people, Why in the world would they want that to happen in this state? But when you look at the governor's budget, who does that help? It helps kids. It helps teachers. It helps public workers. It helps everyday Kentuckians, and it helps working families. Now, unfortunately, the House has already passed its own version of the two-year state budget. It's not passed the Senate yet, I don't think. But it's a shame, I think, that they didn't take this chance to work with the governor to work out their differences but create a budget that helps everybody in this state and not just the very rich and the big corporations. And I would encourage you all, call your state senators, call your state representatives, and tell them to work with the governor to create a budget that helps more people and not just the very rich. Tell them to spend the money that we have to make sure that we have the kinds of resources that benefit everybody, that we fund health care and infrastructure and Internet and access to clean drinking water and all of these programs that will help everybody, everybody in Kentucky, not just a few, to do what we sent them there to do and make life better for everybody. Because like I said, I think that's the whole point of government. All right, guys, I think I'll leave it there for this week's episode. I don't have a very accurate idea of how long the episode will be once I've got finished editing the audio, but I think I actually did meet my goal of being under half an hour this week, so that's a big milestone for me. I'm sure that you guys appreciate that too. I promise that I'll try to make all of my solo episodes this short and so that you guys don't have to listen to me rant for an hour because I'm sure there's better things that you'd rather do with your day. But thank you guys so much for tuning in to this week's episode. Next week, I will have a very good friend of mine who's also a native of Appalachia, and I'm sure that we'll have a great conversation as well. Be sure to tune in for that episode in two weeks' time. But until then, stay safe, stay healthy, love your neighbor, and do good things. Catch you guys next time.